Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we dig you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the young Xehanort and Ansem Seeker of Darkness to my dream eater, Riku. I feel like I want to make you say that one three times to see if you just keep up. I mean, I mean, I don't have to do this game three times, so that feels like a bit arbitrary, don't you think? Well, there wasn't as good a long word salad one back then. Well, I'm Jared. I'm Matt. Here, I'm going to try it. The young Xehanort and Ansem Seeker of Darkness might dream me to Riku. The young Xehanort and Ansem Seeker of Darkness might dream me to Riku. The young Xehanort and Ansem Seeker of Darkness might dream me to Riku. There, I did it. Not hard at all. Nothing but quality content here on this podcast. No. That- <laughs> if you want uh, something that if we were on radio, we the uh, tongue twister that I would not dare anyone to say, uh, my favorite tongue twister that I learned from my foul mouth grandmother. Oh, shit. Uh, here it goes. I slit a sheet, a sheet I slit, and on a slitted sheet I sit. Oh, that's not just a tongue twister. It's one that I feel could get awkward if you go too far wrong on it. Yes. <laughs> As I said, that's that's the the tongue twister you absolutely cannot see on radio. <sighs> Actually, you can come up with a worse tongue twister than that for radio. <laughs> I don't know how to do it right now off the top of my head, but I'm sure you can come up with something. Something that has a bit less of an objectable word in it. <laughs> anyway. I mean, we say shit all the fucking time on here. <laughs> well, yes, but we're not regulated by the FCC. Anyway, this episode, we are going to a news uh, world and we get surprised when we end up in the world that never was. That can't be good. This can't be a sleeping world, can it? Well, I mean, what kind, what kind of world is it? And does it still exist after two? It's a good question. It never was, right? Yeah, it never was. So maybe it's always asleep. Man. Mm. Yeah, maybe nobody blinded me. I don't know. <laughs> Well, we'll be able to uh, get to the bottom of that quite quickly. So let's go in like we normally do with Sora right away. Yeah. So, John, I think you're going to have to exercise your uh, voices here because no one cuts in for quite a while here. We got we got lots of scenes to do because there's lots of story. We're hitting the big thing here after Sora beats up that butterfly. Yep. Queen Butterfly on the way down. It is the same thing that we fought. Uh, I forget what world it was by now because all these dives sort of blend together in my brain. But so Sora lands right in front of the memory skyscraper. We remember this place. Oh, yeah. We're going to do another side, another story here. This next scene, I think, is mostly going to be me talking. So it's going to be I've, me. No. <laughs> Time for a lot of amateur voice acting. I'm sorry, people. Hooray. Wait, isn't this? Is the organization's world sleeping, too? No, it can't be. I know I definitely found the seven keyholes already. So I've got to be awake again and in the real world. But why here? Uh, what's the matter, sleepyhead? Who's there? Show yourself. We jumped through a lot of hoops to get you here. And much like in his boss fight, we see the crosshair POV on Sora and his arrow gun powering up. But it looks as if it's going to pay off. Sora gets shot up, but dodges easily. And we see what appears to be either Sigmar or Bray, depending on what he's calling himself, up on the skyscraper jumping down. You're a part of this? Hey, let's hit these plot points in order, Sora, Roxas. First, you must be wondering about your revised itinerary. Why am I here, not back home? The answer's simple. We brought you to this place, hijacked your little slumber party before it started, and ever since, we've been your companions and your constant guides. Before it started, the man in the robe, and so that guy in the black coat and Xemnas, bingo. 
you were able to go back in time to just before your home became a sleeping world only because a past version of you already existed there. And I can see in the past you already met Mr. Robe Guy. Yep, he was there then to make sure you ended up here now. That's ridiculous. It sure is. It's too perfect. Who'd ever believe it? Which is why you idiots never saw it coming. You thought you were off doing some kind of test, right? Well, test this. How come you're wearing the same clothes if you're already back home? You're not going to wake up, okay? Look, there's no real versus dreams anymore. It's just you, us, and this. I see. Fair enough. And he pulls his keyblade. So what? At least I know who to blame for it. Ooh, I see you've still got that angry look down. But here's where I tag out. I got just a few more hoops I gotta jump through. He teleports away, appearing above Sora. He fires to the ground repeatedly around him. Cloak figures standing where all the bolts land. And directly in front stands our buddy Crypto Hoodie. Come with me. Soros gets a vision of Riku as the hoodie extends his hand out as well. Sora becomes disoriented. What? Pleasant dreams, kiddo. After a fade out, Sora awakens on Destiny Island. Let's take a quick break just to discuss that one little scene right there uh, before we go on, because otherwise it's just going to be a lot of scenes and we're going to be breaking this up a bit. And for what it's worth, they do call him Zigbar throughout the script. I don't think anyone addresses him by name, but he seems to be acting like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do enjoy Zigbar just coming out of the blue to just be like, hey, guess what? You fell in our trap. Mm-hmm. I know something you don't know. <laughs> yep. That's Zigbar's lo- favorite activity. Oh, yeah. Knocking people he knows more than them. He, he'd yeah. probably be great as a detective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a particular kind of detective. We can't make that reference yet. <laughs> I just like he says, OK, so let's go through the plot points. And I also just love his it's too perfect. Who'd ever believe it? Just to be like, that's the kind of planner my boss is. You're screwed. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's kind of he also puts out if you know what's going on, he kind of puts out a clue as to where Xehanort is mm-hmm. in this whole thing. Yeah. He says, okay. you met the robe guy. Yep. I love him going Mr. Robe guy, by the way. I think robe guy, he's talking about the black, the brown robe rather yeah. than uh, crypto hoodie. But well, yeah. that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. The robe yeah, yeah. guy, he's talking about the brown robe. Which they, yeah, which like, we've kind of had Yen said the air supply. That was Xehanort's like, like his heartless completely without a body originally. Mm-hmm. And so it's also worth noting that like, I think what they're implying here is that Xehanort has so many irons in the fire that he, like we discussed at the end of last episode, I think like, yeah. Part of the reason why he had his body there is just in case he needed to travel back in time to that point. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like like it's less that he was there at that specific time and planned out this entire thing and more like he can more or less travel to any specific time he wants between all of the different different times he has available to him. And he can simply think up a plan that involves being there at a specific time and place and be there if he needs to be. So basically what we have going here is the finale of the first Bill and Ted movie where they're all talking about the stuff they're going to set up. Yeah. 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 I mean, we did the first Bill and Ted movie with the first episode of the season. <laughs> I know, but it was just completely <laughs> oh, that sequence. Oh, like, you're right. You're right. Say, and it's so, like, no, only one of us would go back. So we've actually set up all of the stuff you thought you set up. And that's what's really happened. Like, well, and like, <laughs> no, I think my favorite joke in that entire sequence is, so if we have a time machine, we just go back in time and give ourselves the thing that we need right now. Oh, look, we did. 
it's kind of like, did you ever see the Futurama film Bender's Big Score? Where yeah. the ending of the movie, the ending of the movie is Bender going back to tattoo the time travel code on Fry's ass in order to make everything make sense. The worst thing is he's not even tattooing it. He pulls he pulls it off the dead extra fry. It's a patch of skin and he sticks it on like a temporary tattoo. But anyways, I said, I'm just I'm more thinking the bill. I'm just imagining the key is to be in so many places and times at once that there's always something you can do there. You always claim it was part of your plan. If the time travel rules of Kingdom Hearts are time travel is possible, you just have to have a body that you can travel to. Then that is probably the best way to exploit the time travel rules of Kingdom Hearts. I kind of feel like this is funny because Zigbar is kind of revealing that all of this is planned from the start and implying it's too late to really stop now. Oh yeah, there's no difference between dreams and reality anymore. If if other people don't know that you think you know everything, you're not gonna be able to hold it over them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He is such a pest about it. Also, what if Zigbar really does know everything? Yeah, what if he does really know everything, Jared? Have you considered that? Well, he didn't know enough to not get his eye shot out. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't know enough not to yell at Master Xehanor at a bad moment. He almost got his his, his butt iced for that. Fair enough. (laughs) All righty. Continuing on, then. Sora awakens on Destiny Islands. He's on the beach, and he sees a young man with silver hair gazing into the water. Once again, crypto hoodie without his hood. He's approached by Rogue Man. He is not in his hood. He's actually like in his outfit that I think we've seen him before. Yeah. I don't think it's too far from like Tara's uh, outfit. Yeah, I think you're right. It's though it doesn't have the Hakama, I think. We see the guy with the brown robe and the strange red harness that's an X over his chest. We've only really seen him that one time in Kingdom Hearts 1, haven't we? And a yeah. couple flashbacks to this. We know that that's supposed to be Ansem Seeker of Darkness. And we've indicated that him there without a body, maybe how this whole plan has been going down. Yep, Yep, that's the brown robe that they were talking about. Yes, this was where it started. At this point, I still had no idea that I was talking to myself. He cast away his bodily form just to set me on the appointed path. What do you mean? That is Xehanort reduced to just a heart. The being you and your friends call Ansem. Whoa! Sora blacks out again. He wakes up at nighttime Destiny Island. We're seeing robed Ansem entering the secret place. Him! Is that? He watches himself also running after the cloak. Yes. That point in time that Zigbar mentioned. Me. Right before my world was swallowed by the darkness. To move through time, you must leave your body behind. Ansem first set me on my way and then place himself here when the time was right. That was what set all these events in motion. What are you saying? That he knew everything that would happen? No, not everything. But remember, Ansem possessed Riku and saw his experiences in real time. So? That could only tell him so much. How did he know I would be here today? Simple. From a loud explosive sound at gust of wind, we see Kyrie come flying out of the secret place. Kyrie! He tries to catch her, but she disappears, very similar to what happened in Kingdom Hearts 1. Shower once again blacks out, and he wakes in Traverse Town. A star blinks out in the sky. What is? We see multiple Sora's images floating around in Traverse Town. He gazes down to First District, and he slowly lands on the ground. He looks up and sees the other hymns walking around, enacting actions that would be from previous visits. You've been here many times before. 
your first journey, your voyage through memories, in the datascape, in your dreams, relived again and again, like deja vu. Kink Mickey! Sora holds out his hand, and Goofy and Donald also pass through and follow Mickey. Donald returns to Goofy, and they watch the star go out in the sky. He sees Goofy, Donald, and Pluto walking up the stairs. Donald! Goofy! Pluto! <laughs> and it is at this moment that we are four-struck Suriku. I just kind of like, okay, we admit it, we've reused Traverse Town in a lot of the games. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, but so let's talk about this bit before we go on to Riku's story. Like, uh, this has now fully become Sora and Riku's bogus journey after we've had the excellent adventure early on. Sigmar makes a terrible Grim Reaper. I don't know if it comes through in the, uh, audio nature of this podcast, but like, it is fucking weird to see all those Soras running around Traverse Town. I just, my brain keeps going back to the being John Malkovich joke. Sora, 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 Sora. The dream is going surreal. Oh, yeah, the trip is going bad. I kind of like the visualization of the Soras running around on different layers in Mm -hmm. three dimensions as a visualization for the fourth dimension that they don't have. Yeah, you would be seeing like every single possible Sora in every single timeline at once going through a place if from a fourth dimensional perspective. Right. But what we do have is a full on hyper Sora in this case. I was kind of feeling that why they knew that he would eventually come back here. This is the one opportunity Sora really has to go into the sleeping worlds, basically. Yeah. No other point at which Sora is on a world that is about to be plunged into darkness, as far Mm -hmm. as Xehanort knows. Xehanort thought, okay, if, if they ever need to send Sora into the sleeping worlds for whatever reason, this is how you do it. Yeah, so that sounds about I can right. be here to catch them. It's unclear, but implying that somehow this Ansem has already read a lot of Riku's memories. Like, I don't know if they're oh, saying yeah. if he separated from Riku after everything went bad or and he came back here or just he had already possessed Riku. So he at least had the, the starting knowledge to work with. It's a little unclear. I think it's more that Xehanort the schemer doesn't have to be any of the Xehanorts at the particular time that that it happens. But Xehanort the Schemer has access to all of the memories at all of the times of all of the different incarnations of Xehanort. The Metanort. He can go back (laughs) and tell any of the previous incarnations to do a particular thing, and they will simply trust him without even necessarily knowing all of the all of the details about why this needs to be done, because they know that it's him. I'm still just stuck thinking of the Metanort above it all. So that's why he's so into crypto, huh? Or the or the or the Zeha web. No, it's got it's got to be the Metanort because again, the po- they're trying to make a metaverse uh, of the Zeanorts. So, Oof. I mean, with his bald head, his scrawny, crazy look, I would have guessed more Bezos than um, um, <laughs> than Zuckerberg. Than Zuckerberg but. But, well, all the rich assholes are trying to create their own little metaverse because they want to get away from all us peons. Fuck you, assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's leave it there rather than go on to a topic that's not just not as much fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we end up going to Riku's side of the world that never was. Yep. Oh, yeah. Horse drop. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's the first time since the start that it drops you without the mechanic. It's just the story's like, OK, time's up. Yeah, it's it is literally the game's just like, and now you're going to be Riku. 
Now, when I was playing, I thought that like I was forced to be Riku for the entire section. It also felt like it would made most narrative sense to just like keep feeding myself drop me knots to prevent me from doing this. And so basically I played it through entirely finishing off Riku's section before I went back to Sora's side. Honestly, after the first world or two, I started using uh, drop me knots just to, to finish sides one at a time because I just found okay. it easier. Yeah, drop me knots are a very useful tool in the game. <laughs> Since I'm not trying to do the forecast or other drop mechanics, I just wanted to go through it clean and quick. Yeah. So Sora didn't actually do very much fighting in the last one. So now we get. Well, here's the thing. Sora didn't do any fighting. He had cutscenes, yeah. and then this happened. Yeah. So Riku just needs to gather prizes for his dive. And when he enters this world, he's surprised that he's here and not Destiny Islands. As I recall, he's in an extra weird spot. Like it's oh, yeah. obvious. Uh, he's more like he's inside some sort of techno structure, I would describe it as. I would call it that he is in sort of like a existential trap, if that makes sense. Right. But I'm only talking visual like. Isn't it the room where one of the save points was in the in Kingdom Hearts 2? It has the coloration of that balcony room, like with the light grays and the silvers and the chains all over the place. Like it feels like he's inside a place in the world that never was that we have never seen before is the key idea. And the fact that it's also like very twisted and like the reality shift where you get this area called Mirage Split is used to frequently like open up paths in abstract spaces. Yeah, it's it's such a DS one because it's you're supposed to slash through chains all at once like we're playing Kingdom Hearts Fruit Ninja. So you can just <laughs> see it being done with the stylus. If you And if you do it. You summon a ghostly version of the other one. So sorry, it's Riku. Otherwise, they they, they yeah. form sort of awesome giant mega keyblade and slash do whatever's in front of them. It's really cool. Riku's side's reality shift is called Mirage Split. I think Sora's has a different name. We'll cover that next time. So yeah, Riku's fighting through. I keep wanting to call it Death Star Trenches because that's the aesthetic I <laughs> yeah. get in this area. Also worth kind of talking about is that the music for this area, Sacred Distance, is like a interesting take on the theme of the world that ever was from before. Yep. They took the old theme, they kind of... Let's first quickly say the the original theme was called Sacred Moon. Yeah, it's very much kind of a... It was sort of an eerie um, choral piece. This is kind of taking that into a more... Uh, I would call it a more driving piece in many ways. Yeah, it's... I think it's really foreboding as well. I would almost call it claustrophobic. Like, it's a... It feels more like a maze or a labyrinth that's pulling you in. Yeah. And, like... I think you noticed that, the, Jared, that there's like this uh, cool B part that's an unresolved minor key version of D- Dearly Beloved, right? Well, I didn't. To be honest, I looked it up rather than didn't know it. Oh, OK. Actually, I think I noticed it was sounded like it. Like I described it as that's kicking off Dearly Beloved. Then I looked up in some of the favorite places where people write down trivia and they said, well, it's clearly an unresolved minor version. Like, OK, that's a little bit better in music theory than I know. What does an unresolved key mean anyway? I'm curious. It, I would call it stopping short. Like, you okay. know that the piece should resolve in our piece, in our note or two, whether you know the rhythm or you can sort of tell that it seems like the, the tone should should complete, but it sure. stops. Like one of the fair jokes is that the Nokia ringtone actually is missing a piece or two from its original, a note or two from its original ring. It's more or less when you feel that there's more to the song. It's usually the result mm-hmm. of an interrupted chord progression of some sort. Yeah. Okay. It tends to create a feeling of being unsettled or maybe like expecting and then just kind of left hanging. It's used as a trail off or in the case like this, it's used that things, I think it helps you make feel things are wrong. Yeah. It's, I would say that's probably what makes the song feel a lot more claustrophobic. Like I was just saying, describing earlier, not a lot happens story wise for Rico along the way, but I do love the area names in this area. He's going through a big zone full of little, I really want to call them little light, light up Death Stars. He has to beat up until he can reality shift them. Are these Dream Eaters? 
No, those things seem to be like a feature of the zone because once he breaks them, it opens a new path somewhere like he gets to go through a gate or something. So the first area that you go through is called the delusive beginning. Delusive is a great word because it's because you can sort of tell what it goes between. The main definition is to give a false or misleading impression. Mm-hmm. So it's like so it's between delusion and elusive, and it has an even more sinister sound to it. Mm-hmm. I really like the way that they're really leaning into the dream stuff here. And in mm-hmm. fact, they're kind of leaning into the sinister idea of dreams that are actually trying to mislead you. We are full on into that feeling of being in a dream that you know is a dream, but you can't wake up from it. Like, and like, have you ever had one of those dreams where my dreams are so much weirder than that? Usually just just to give you 20 seconds. My last dream was about some sort of inexplicable new version of Return to King, which was surreal and funny for everyone. I can't really explain beyond that, but it was somehow I was watching it, but also I was part of the movie. That's kind of where my dreams go. They confuse me. OK, well, I mean, like I've had dreams where like I realize, oh, I'm in a dream. And rather than turning it into a, a lucid dream, a lucid dream where I'm in control of it, it just becomes like a trap where I'm like, OK, I've got to wake up. And then I wake up and I'm still in the dream and I keep on going on through the dream. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm still in the dream. And I wake up and I go through the dream and I realize I'm still in the dream and I wake up. And I'm still. Yeah, like that. My anxiety dreams are more like, I really don't want this to be real. Please don't be real. But I can't do anything about it. So I finally figure out I'm awake after everything. So mm. not dissimilar, but I've heard that can be a sleep paralysis thing, actually. Ooh. Really? Interesting. Yeah. So the next area is called the Walk of Delusions, which the most notable thing about it is that, like, this is the most MC Escher area that we're going to have in here. You need to use your reality shift to cut through the space to make it coherent and understandable to get through. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you kind of unwind a bunch of Escher stairs in order to make a real path. You're starting to fight through some really crazy stuff here. Like, the walls and and floor, while you can tell you're in new locations, everything's similar enough that it really gives you the sensation of being trapped. They, they, the, the corridors go nowhere. There's inexplicable things like this force field around a big power core you have to shift your way into. All the Dream Eaters are hyper strong right now and really scary. They're pretty brutal, especially when the Skull Dragons start appearing. Yep. Uh, the next area is called Fact Within Fiction. It's just this little bridge uh, across away. Like, there's nothing really that notable here, but I have in my notes for this section, What Killed the Dinosaurs? Riku. And I drop a meteor on a bunch of dinosaur Dream Eaters. What killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> Yep. I cannot do it, Arnold. Please don't ask me to better it. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Well, clearly you're not a doctor of history or paleontology. Dr. Please. (laughs) Fuck you. It's my it's my thing. I do like the name fact within fiction, though. Oh, yeah. Because that's actually a theme that you see a lot in later things that we're going to cover. We have a path going here. We're going from delusionary beginnings that you're walking through the delusions. Now you're finding the truth within the fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the next it brings us to where things are completely starting to shatter. So we're going to the verge of chaos. Yep. Yes. The verge of chaos. Like you're on the side of the castle here. And the only way up is to rail grind up some pipes on the side of the wall. And since the castle never was, it's kind of this big, spiky, protrusion, cylindrical object. Kind of from this angle, it looks like someone washed out Castle Oblivion, but still its own thing. But it's also mm-hmm. this black void, so you're just in nothingness. I kind of yeah. always felt that the castle that never was looks like the exterior that goes with the interior of Castle Oblivion, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. As like opposed the, to the patchwork? Yes. Yeah, the, I mean, as we now know, the Castle Oblivion, it, the exterior of it, it looks the way it is because of it being uh, the land of departure. But yeah, yeah thanks, Aqua. Thanks, Aqua. 
Yeah. Hmm. But it's around here. I remember like, here's where the really nasty G mirrors appear. Like, oh, this, yeah. like I call the skull T Rexes with Ankylosaur tails. Yep. Uh, Tyranto Rexes. What are, are those? Uh, what is that? Tyranto Rex or is that the skull thing? I think it's a skull thing. They, they don't they shoot their tails at you? Like they, they shoot yeah, yeah, their tails right. at you? Yeah, I think you're right. And they're just brutal. Mm-hmm. So their heads come off. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to grind up the exterior wall of the castle to a tower to yep. get through this area. Yep. And inside that tower, we find Sora sealed inside a darkness bubble. Riku is outside of the dream and he has found the trap Sora inside the dream. But is Rika yeah. also kind of in the dream still? I don't know. It's hard to tell. It said Sora's in a big shimmery bubble with a halo of darkness around it. You realize you're seeing scenes that Sora see. They're appearing like as little hazy visions around him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he reaches into the bubble and grabs Sora. Yeah, he tries to wake him up. The darkness smiles around and takes the form of a dream eater cloak guy. This one's very unusual. Like he, it looks like a cloak guy, but it has glowing red button eyes, like we're in Coraline. And it's got like purple blue, I guess I would call it markings at the trails of the of its sleeves and the bottom the hem of its cloak. And so it's worth noting, he also has the Dream Eater symbol on its back. Like, it's a symbol that we've seen on all the other nightmares. And there's a really, really interesting match cut. Like, we, yeah. we pan from the, like from Riku's back as he's looking towards him, and we see how he still has a Dream Eater symbol there, we realize. Yeah. And then so the cloak guy, it actually then forms the nightmare symbol on its back in a, in a match cut from that. Yeah. yeah, so basically this particular thing is you've been looking at it the whole time, but this particular shot is made to make you really realize, even if you hadn't re- realized before, that Riku is wearing the Dream Eater symbol on his back. And I will say, like, the first time I played this game, this is the first time I noticed that. And I was just like, whoa, they hit that, like, right in plain sight. I honestly didn't register at all. <laughs> yeah, I noticed the symbol. I didn't really think about what it was or what it meant until now. And yeah. then suddenly you 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 see this and you realize, wait, does that mean Riku is a dream eater? Because of the fact that they they did the cinematography on this shot so well that it pointed it out and made you think about it. I blame change blindness that I still actually kind of didn't notice. Mm-hmm. I never it didn't fully occur to me that that's not something that was there before. I just kind of blame myself not registering it for once. The intent of the scene is very much to just like make it clear. Hey, guess what? We hid in plain sight, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they did a really good job of hiding it in plain sight. I mean, oh, I yeah. don't know too many people who who can honestly say that they thought about this from the start. Well, it's also kind of like kind of an absurd idea, but it makes perfect sense, especially given what Riku says next. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So basically, Riku's staring this guy down. It's like, are you what's trapping him in this nightmare? Because if you are, I'm what nightmares fear. Yes, yes, Riku. We all know you're Batman. <laughs> I'm Baku. No, <laughs> that's only when he fuses with a Kamori bat. <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't that give him like the black wings uh, transformation? Yeah. Yeah, so it gives him the, uh, I think it's the Nightwing uh, command style. I forget. No, it's Nightwing. Well, that's just uh, completely wrong. That means he's Dick Grayson. I forget what it is. It's some kind of like darkness wing or something like that. Uh, so this thing is called an anti-black coat nightmare or ABCN. <laughs> the Abkin. Abkin. Yeah. That is his name now is Abkin. I Oof. prefer anti-black coat nightmare t- to just to say the whole thing, but okay. <laughs> well, he's Abkin. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it'd be sores sores on the Abkin diet. We need to get him off because that's really not healthy. That's terrible. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. So bad. I love it. Staying in. (laughs) Anyway. 
Yeah, this guy is actually quite difficult. Yeah, I have in my notes. Yikes, this guy is super bust here. Bullshit on critical already. His fights are cheap shots. Like he hits you with a ground attack, which shoots all your health out of you. Like they pop out his HP uh, pickups that fly over the field, drop you the one HP. Mm-hmm. Like he shoots this giant red, like it's red and black flashing. I would call it like a big four prong claw. Like it's like we're playing an arcade game to grab you and grapple you and do massive damage as well. He is fighting to some awesome music. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dread of Night. I don't think it has any particular connections to others I recognize, but it's a very intense, very dark theme. It's got a fast-paced string piece going into it, I guess, as a regression, while, while deep horns are just playing this ominous, this ominous slow motif behind it. <laughs> I really like a lot of this style of Kingdom Hearts music, though, just in general. I love the way they do the... They turn the orchestral piece into something really foreboding. So guess what the song's a minor key version of? What? Hand in Hand, the battle theme on uh, Destiny Islands. Oh, excellent. Oof. Like the uh, percussion and uh, building at the start of it is the exact same like uh, leitmotif as Hand in Hand, just minor key. So that's, that's really pretty cool. fucking sweet. I love that. <laughs> yeah. What else do we have to say about this piece before we go on? It's also worth mentioning we're fighting in a very dark arena, like you have a fair, mm-hmm. relatively low view distance. So he's kind of just swooping in and out and striking you out of nowhere. And he's very much liking to keep his distance from you. Yeah, I kind um, of feel like like his appearance is very evocative of kind of what Sora might see as a nightmare at this particular point in time. But an amalgamation of all the Dream Eaters and the cloaks that makes yes. a good, that's a good point. That's interesting. If we if we take Riku's words and in whatever this is, this is something that has Sora locked up. And it's maybe why we're seeing Sora in such a strange, surreal dream that he has no control of. Mm-hmm. Yes. So anyways, so after the fight, Ab can just sign disintegrates and Riku's trying to get Sora to wake up. What? What's going on in Sora's world? Why won't he open his eyes? Is he still in the nightmare? That is right. Ansem. Sora can no longer wake up. No matter how many nightmares you consume, you cannot wake someone who has fallen into the chasm of dreams. What? Dreams hold our memories. Sleep holds our dreams. And darkness, it holds our sleep. Sora's heart belongs to the darkness now. Sora would never give in to the darkness. But you feel it, don't you? This world, the nightmare, the abyss. Why haven't you returned to the reality whence you came? No, this this is a... Dream of a dream. A twofold nightmare. This whole journey, you have been inside Sora's dreams. And now, darkness within darkness awaits you. Riku starts sinking into a pool of darkness. What? No, I can't get loose. In in the abyss, Riku awakens again, and he seems to, like, resonate with Ansem in front of him. At the start of your test, when you struck out from that tiny island, you saw me there dressed in a robe. Immediately, you knew something was wrong. So without even knowing it, you dove into Sora's dream, and you became exactly what that sigil on your back represents— a dream eater to protect Sora from nightmares. Me? I'm a dream eater? Correct. But you failed to protect him. 
After all your efforts to command the darkness and protect those you cherish, it is a shame that you locked that power away in the end. Except it's not over. I can still save Sora. So you understand what to do. Set the darkness in you free, and you can rescue your friend. Ansem, or Xehanort, you used to be a Keyblade wielder, but darkness stole your heart, and the Keyblade with it. Don't you see? That's half the reason I'm even on this journey. After allowing darkness into my heart, am I still fit to wield the Keyblade? Even after locking you away, here you are, haunting me again. So I get it now. There's no point in trying to hold the darkness back. At last, you see clearly. You know, when I look at you, there's this memory that flashes back. A secret I said I'd keep when I was little. The main reason I kept dreaming about seeing the outside world was because of him. My journey begins here and now. I'm going back to the real world and then to Sora's side. That... Is your answer? Yes, I know the way. Consume the darkness. Return it to light. You can try. And then, of course, Ansem does his arm fold and summons his stand. So let's discuss that real quick before we go on to the fights. Uh, first thing I want to say I, as I was uh, listening to that, all I f- found myself thinking of was the quote from Doreen and Chrono Trigger, which was, am I a butterfly dreaming I'm a man or am I a bowling ball dreaming I'm a plate of sashimi? Never say am, I a, was am I a plate of sashimi? That's handsome. Yes. <laughs> Please give me that. Uh, I'm going to copy that quote into here. Um, okay, which is the funniest voice? Mickey or uh, Ansem doing that voice? Maybe Goofy? Ooh, oh, no. yeah. Let's have Goofy Keep do this line. Go, go, go for that. Let me what, put it. Wait, so what's the full line? I'm pasting it into the Discord. Okay. Am I a butterfly dreaming I'm a man? Or a bowling ball dreaming I'm a plate of sashimi? Never assume what you see and feel is real. Excellent. And weirdly, I want to hear, it feels like Mickey should respond with the hypocrite that you are. <laughs> I'm not doing it again. <laughs> oh, no, we've done it before. That's belaboring. <laughs> so we're just getting a lot of bangers as far as music goes in these boss fights, though, because we're getting a oh, boss yeah. rush with Riku. Like, well, now we're going to use Lemenzia Oscura, movement one, which is and basically all the pieces here are using the study back from Kingdom Hearts one as part mm-hmm. of, of, of Secret of Darkness's boss themes here. And we're just in some yeah. heavy stuff. And is this yeah. the eminence of darkness? I believe that's what it would translate out to or something like that. Yeah, I believe so. I do also just kind of want to point out Riku is not fighting Ansem. He is fighting the Ansem inside himself right now. I mean, is he? I mean, I put in my notes it's Ansem Koo. That's the idea that I got from it. Yeah. Like, this is a fight within himself that he's fighting as a result of the of everything that's been going on. Yeah, I kind of feel like this is supposed to be the final battle against the darkness within himself. Yeah. The funny thing is, this theme, it also uses part of Dismiss, the when, when Aqua fought Terranor at the very end of uh, Birth mm-hmm. by Sleep, but it cuts out Terra's theme from it. Right before that, like, Riku realizes in this moment that, oh, that's what was going on here. That guy that I made that promise to all those years ago. He doesn't say it, but it's pretty clear he's thinking of when they met Tara. Yeah, yeah. he's thinking of when they met Tara, and Tara did feel, T- Tara did give a lot of a lot to say about being like noble and protecting people, even yeah, if he was no. feeling kind of messed up at the time. So, like, this is now uh, starting to tie the threads of 
that were started in Birth by Sleep into the main narrative even more than we've already had. I just think that's cool. Now we can talk about the fight. <laughs> yeah, this, this fight is sheer bullshit and only gets worse. I have in my notes, oh, this seems a trifle unfair. Why the fuck? Why does barrier not work? Why on earth did they design a boss that could just ignore block after two fucking games of block is your friend? Trust the block. At least BBS never put a Roxas on its critical path. <laughs> I, I actually have a hard time remembering this part of fight because I think it's the next part of fight wiped away everything oh. with my rage. Oh, yes. But this one's pretty nasty because you're kind of free floating. So your movement's a little bit weird and you're kind of chasing down the secret darkness while he's flinging while his guardians flinging attacks at you and occasionally swooping in to hit you. Yeah, this yeah. is kind of a much harder version of the first form of Ansem Seeker of Darkness from Kingdom Hearts 1. Once you get out of the uh, floating space, it becomes a lot more like that. Like, it switches between sequences, I believe. Yeah, my strategy in the first part of this uh, fight was to avoid his dash since it ignores block and his energy spam must be blocked. At this point, like, what sort of stuff is he shooting at you like? Dark energy, something like that. I think he's actually like shooting discs. <laughs> yeah. Like we're in a Tron fight. He's shooting batarangs. So mm. my strategy was keep my distance and wait for a dash so that I can counterattack, which is much more important in critical mode because he will fuck you up if you like uh, fuck up. Oh, and when you do a reality shift, you create ground to stand on, right? Uh, it breaks you out of the uh, distorted space that you're in and you can start moving around. And then it's a lot more like fighting Ansem back in Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah. yeah. And I also uh, dropped a meter on him for my last hit, which was fun. That's cool. What's less fun is what happens next. <laughs> uh, I mean, basically, yeah, because, of course, he's not done yet. Ansem, you're part of my heart now, part of the light. Ever the fool boy and forever a pawn of the darkness. At which point the guardian grows. It kind of forms like a shell around him, like a big ball, and then grows like a large body out of it. So mm -hmm. now we got this big, crazy form. Kind of has a bit of a Chernabog feeling to it because he even merges with his stands. Yeah. 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 yeah he, the stand is now a wearable stand. Yay for JoJo's part five. And we're in this weird, jagged knife ground, like this one big, mm. like it's just this ground yeah. and made of jagged black lines over a over a purple void that thins out as you approach him standing at the end of this long corridor. And he doesn't want you there. Yeah, he's almost like a hyper, uh, what you call, what's the big nobody name or the big uh, heartless name? Uh, he's, yeah, he is kind of a bit like a dark side here. Yeah, a giant, uh, basically a hyper dark side almost. Yeah, because, well, basically what happens is he just sits in the middle. His guardian starts spamming all sorts of, of energy attacks. Let's get into the good part of this fight first, because this the Menza Oscura movement, too, which is an even cooler version of the Menza Oscura. Yeah. He just kicks it into, I think he kicks in the almost full rock version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of feels almost like a epic kind of uh, fantasy anthem. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, here's what I have. This fight is the worst. It took me several hours to get down. A new record for critical path boss fights on critical mode in this series playthrough for me. Because basically you're stuck in a corridor. Every so often the Guardian summons a huge blast and knocks you back all the way. You can use flow motion to get forward on the different structures in that. But at the same time, he's he's like sending beam spam. He's summoning giant dual blasts and throwing them at you. And every so often, even when you get to him, he floats back out of range. I kind of want to go into all this just because this fight is probably the closest thing we're actually going to have to a lingering will in this playthrough because of how, what happened to me with dealing with the secret bosses. Um, so he has five possible moves at the start of the fight. The first is a barrage of blue fireballs that can kill you instantly if they touch you. He never does this if you're a point blank. 
key point number one. I don't believe it's instant if you're not in critical, but yeah. Uh, a barrage of purple lasers that home in on you. These have purple tracking if you're at point Blake. Key point number two. He backs up and shoots a barrage of sonic booms at you. Those can be blocked. He starts punching the ground in front of him. Easy to interrupt with a block. He shoots you to the end of arena and then summons two large orbs that shoot lasers at you as you try to approach. <laughs> it sort of shows this bizarre adventure meme here. So the move that trumps this is Riku's signature move for Dream Drop Distance, Dark Splicer, which basically you received an hour ago from a treasure chest of regular play and basically teleports you right to whatever you're targeting. So, yeah, this I said, so it, it's, this is a very wearying fight. I hate fights where they push you away from the boss. So they do it repeatedly. Like it's not like a good phase. It's just something they do every so often to stall you out. Mm-hmm. The first phase is easy enough. You keep close to him. You use Balloon Ra and other good commands, then block his scary moves. And when he eats you bit to the back of the arena, use Dark Spicer to get back in close. That's easy, right? I don't even think I had Dark Spicer in my deck because I didn't really use it. But yeah, oof. so. But yeah. Phase two is when the real bullshit begins. After he loses four health bars, he starts spamming a bunch of explosions on the ground while fucking with your movement by pulling you in. That can be blocked. Or he shoots you to the end of the hallway but this time he starts spamming giant exploding balls of darkness at you and takes away your ability to use flow motion on the walls. Now, here's the thing. Those exploding balls of darkness can be blocked. But if you don't realize that because you tried once and get and messed up the timing and you think they pierce block, you can get stuck like me where I got knocked around by Ansem's big balls of darkness until I just fucking died for multiple hours. Oh, so the so you so you got stuck on Mr. Ansem's wild teabag ride. Yeah, sounds about right. I actually went to look at a, a YouTube video to figure out what was going on. And when I saw someone blocking those, I was just like, those could be blocked. What the fuck, game? <laughs> As again, me in normal mode, I never quite as strategic in fighting. They don't have to be. I just remember I kind of kept getting smacked around. I definitely had to do a couple of tries on this. Mm-hmm. Once you get it down, it's not that bad, though. Um, I almost got it down and fucked up because the command deck is garbage. So I had to spend another 15 minutes getting back there. So my final thought is just fuck this fight and fuck the people who designed critical mode for this game. <laughs> Let's go back to story time. Yep. Yes. So the Ansem kind of slumps over silently and the Guardian is fading away. Those is kind of staring at you. Mm hmm. Riku raises the keyblade and the Guardian seems to call him before vanishing. As Riku says, strength to protect what matters. I believe that's what one of the things that Terra said to him when he gave him the Keyblade as well. Well, no, it's it's what small Riku said to Terra. It's like it, I, I, it's strength I need to protect the things that matter. There you go. Well, cool. regardless, it's a memory from it's that. a good callback because the whole the whole passing of the Keyblade is a bit more of a, of a of a funny little rhyme. Yeah, it's a ritual. This is essentially Riku remembering that. Remembering that, like fully connecting his past to the present and being able now to put to rest all this baggage that's been hampering him so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, he appears in front of the skyscraper in the world ne- that never was. And he starts wondering if he actually made it out of the dream. The yep. funny thing is, it's only now that we get the like the animated title card or world never was for Riku. Riku can now explore the world that never was a bit more. But when he approaches the castle, he has a fit of narcolepsy and we are forced dropped again. To next week. <laughs> is there so much bullshit going on here? We gotta keep it all. T- we can't keep it all. T- yeah, but like we did with Kingdom Hearts two, the final world of this game has to be split into two episodes. It's that big. And then we put a chunk of what happened after it for for the episode after it too. Oh yeah, uh, the full ending of the game we have to save for the completion episode, just because we have to have some plot in there. <laughs> just a little bit. 
<laughs> so yeah, next time we see how Sora's wild ride is going, and here's a hint, not great. Not great. So until next time, I'm John. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. Now he's got me looking up ones like some of these are. Oh, there are some weird ones here. Go for it. <laughs> uh, how can a clam cram in a clean cream can? I mean, that just sounds like it's going to get off anyways. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. completely off the game. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's see. Any other ones? Lay some on me. Lay some on me. <laughs> Imagine an imaginary menagerie. Mena- Imagine an imaginary menagerie manager managing an imaginary menagerie. That's, a that's fun just one. hateful. We can't make that's that just... reference yet, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just that's just hateful. <laughs> anyway, I wish I wish to wish the wish you wish to wish, but if you wish to wish the witch wishes, I won't wish to wish you wish to witch. I found I found our when they cry one. <laughs> the I was, one the last one there. was a when they cry one, Jared. We can't make references to that one either. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, I heard a cat. Hello, cat. Yep, there. I have a cat in my lap. She is very aggressive about being in my lap in the winter right now. Oh, Blair. She's definitely like, you gotta pet me right now. This is definitely cat, an anecdote. My, cat's, my cat's mostly only interested in me when I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> He's so, still anyway, kind of standoffish, but... Um, keep the cat under control, because I think I'm going to be talking to myself a lot for this next bit. Yes. <laughs> If if a million Xehanorts sit at a million time machines, one of them will eventually uh create one of them will eventually create um what's a good joke there? Good time plus a time travel story. Hmm. Primer? Uh, I don't know, I've never seen Primer. Me either. Isn't Primer really confusing? <laughs> Apparently. Oh, yeah. Steinsgate, that's a better choice. Steinsgate, there you go. <laughs> no, sorry. Okay, now. Go, I go am scientist, son sorry. of a bitch. Sorry. Then say the whole phrase with Steingate, Steinsgate. <laughs> I am mad scientist, son of a bitch. No, I meant the if a million Xehanorts. Uh, if a million, if a million Xehanorts and a million time machine microwaves continue to send to send pages out there, somehow Steinsgate will happen because of weird internet um, urban mis- urban legends. If Amelia Soros pilot a million gummy ships. No, you did that joke already. They will eventually create coded. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> that is what it would be called, right? Instead of a hypercube, a hypersora?
Man, I hated Cube 2. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> cube 2 Hypercube. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi. No oh, wait, that. no, is this Time Cube? Are we in Time Cube right now? Oh, no. I thought it was a movie Cube <laughs> in which, like, you're going through a giant uh, rearranging cube with, with deadly traps, and they make a sequel, and because it was a Hypercube, they broke all rules and ignored time and space and logic and cause and effect, which is completely insane. That just sounds really cool. Why are you making it sound bad? Because, because honestly... It makes no sense. There's a terrible ending where everyone's dead and we don't give a shit. Oh, okay. Never mind. The original then. Cube is an interesting movie. It's like, if people have woken up in this giant, mysterious structure, there's ma- there's very difficult math here. And if you go through the wrong door, you get sliced up by wire or some other horrible trap. Hmm. Got it. Then the sequel just escalated out to insanity. Also, it's a sci fi original, so that's before. Oh, got- there you go. There we go. That's why you don't want to watch it. That's why you don't want to watch it. Before they got really bad, but at the point where things were getting kind of different. Hi, cat. <laughs> the cat. Agrees. No, cat. That wasn't the note. <laughs> <laughs>